Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Let me start this way. I have always loved to teach the word of God from the perspective from which God has given it to us. And because we study it and teach it from the perspective God has given us. We would rather go with the interpretation that is given within the scripture than building our own individual interpretation that has no bearing with truth. And the danger of that is if we continue to teach outside the confines of God's pattern and principles laid down for us, as scripture is given and interpreted by the person of the Holy Spirit, the danger of going or vying off that is that we will continue preaching or teaching things that really do not work for people. Because the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's the reality of truth. You cannot say that you are a child of truth and you're not walking in the liberty and freedom that truth is supposed to give you. So we believe that if we are to preach the truth, as given in scripture, people will see results. And I believe that as you continue or have continued to listen to these broadcasts, I believe that many of you are seeing results in your lives. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. And so, because of wanting to walk in the pattern as given in scripture, I have realized, and I've always emphasized this, that our God is a God of order. First Corinthians 14 verses 40 Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. He is a God of order. Somebody shout hallelujah. And because he is a God of order, it means that there is nothing he has given us in scripture that carries no order of interpretation. Some people are so oblivious to the pattern of the Holy Spirit, to the way of the word. They don't understand that the word has a form, that the word has a structure, it has a design, it has a blueprint, it has a model, it has a way of life with which it follows. And all the elements that we teach in scripture are so. And in understanding the order of the spirit, it's amazing how much truth you are connected to and how much deliverances and answers come to you by reason of that. So today, I felt impressed on my spirit to teach on the pattern of faith, the blueprint of faith, the design of faith, the structure of faith. See? Because we are teaching faith and people are saying, oh, you know, I have believed, I have believed, and then they fail. I have believed that I'll succeed in my education and then they fail. I have believed that my marriage will work. I have prayed and done everything within the book and the marriage fails. Oh, apostle, I have believed for a change at my workplace and they continue believing and praying and they don't see the results that they're believing and praying for. Oh, Apostle, I can testify about this brother. He was a believer. He used to pray. Even on his deathbed, he was confessing right. He was speaking right. But you know, he died. 
oh, but this person has a lot of faith. Why aren't they settled? This person has a lot of faith. How come her womb has failed to open? This person has a lot of faith. How come this healing has failed to leave their body? And so sometimes we then start to say, oh, maybe some have actually out of that built ideas and opinions, again, based on delusional interpretation. As you know, even if you pray, even if you believe, if it's not the will of God for you to heal, it is useless. God will not heal you. So people say, oh, you know, let us pray, let us believe as God, you know, would want us to according to scripture. But if we get to the point where we are to die, let us understand that it was the will of God for us to die. Yet that very God has revealed his will to you. The Bible says that he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. And not only has he made the mystery of his will by force or coercion, He's not giving it reluctantly. The Bible says it's according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. So it is the will and purpose of God the Father to reveal his will to you. We which are born again, the new creation in Christ Jesus, carry the will of God in understanding. And it's embedded in the new birth. It's within the spirit of God that dwells in us. Somebody shout hallelujah. So you might not have that reality off your head, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the experience of that reality within your spirit. It is there. Somebody say it is there in Jesus' name. And so because many people don't know the will of God, they don't understand how the pattern of faith works. They don't have the results of faith. Or some actually don't respect that God has an order of things. I have read a scripture I love to quote always when I talk about the order of things in Luke. When Luke is writing to Theophilus, he says, it seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, from the very first, and to write unto thee in order, O dear Theophilus, that thou must have the certainty of things in which thou hast been instructed. In other words, there is an order in which I am to write to you when I have had the perfect understanding of things. And the end of that is to give you the certainty of things in which you are instructed. It's to give you the stability to function in the things which God has instructed your spirit. Because it's one thing for you to say that you have the instruction of God, but you have no authority to operate in that instruction. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so... Some people don't have a regard for the order of the things of God. They, you know, place it in the places of ignorant, archaic, or less important thought. You know, those are not things that are, you know, to lead in persuasion. They're not important for us to speak about. Now I'm going to prove to you that there is an order. And when you understand the order, it will change your life. It's like biblical interpretation. Did you know that there is an order in interpreting the scriptures? Did you know that there are rules in interpreting scripture? Do you know that there are laws in interpreting biblical text? You don't just read the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. Or make it assume what you want it to assume because it fits your doctrine, your dogma, or your school of thought. And some have done so. They make the word speak what it's not speaking so they can justify their Bible school, their theology, their pastors, their men of God. You see, the Bible says no scripture is of any private interpretation. No scripture. So biblical interpretation is key. And for the students of the word, probably about nine or ten rules or laws of interpreting scripture. You could talk about the rule of definition. What is the definition of these words and how do we 
define these words according to the mind of God versus how anybody could define them. There is a rule on context or the law of context. There is a law of usage. There is a law of historical background and many such things. There are many laws and rules of biblical interpretation. Today, for example, I'll give you an example of a rule. There is a rule called the rule of precedence in scripture. There's a rule of precedence. Then, whenever you find a portion of scripture in the Bible, in interpretation, you must respect how it's used before. You must respect how it has been used in various texts of scripture and then carry the same meaning and interpretation as it has always been used in all scripture, such that when you are using it now, it has drawn a pattern for you to interpret. There is something that justifies your interpretation. It has precedence. There's a principle, a pattern within scripture. There's a context within scripture that has spoken that way before. And so you can allude to that and say, now I am right to interpret scripture according to how it has been interpreted before or how in a similar instance, a pattern, a principle as identified by revelation has been interpreted. I've given one, for example, where the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, and now abideth faith, hope, and love. The Bible says, but the greatest is love. Paul speaks of these three, faith, hope, and love. He says, these three, they abide in the end. And in the end of places where we define abiding, these three, in the end, are the most important aspects of our Christian walk, faith, hope, and love. The Bible says, but the greatest of these is love. Now, there's a precedence. What's the precedence? That when he was mentioning them, faith came first, hope came second, and love came third. And then he says, when you look at these three, the greatest of them is love. So the precedence is that in the interpretation of scripture, wherever there are three notions, three ideas, three elements, three contexts, three experiences of thought, that are written in scripture, always the greatest comes last. That's usually written. You see? It is mentioning that the last mentioned thought is usually the greatest. This precedence has given it to us. The greatest here was love, yet it was mentioned third of the three, that is faith and hope coming before. So we can read that if we are comparing certain entities that all have a distinctive definition of themselves. Always the third is the greatest. So that's a precedence. That's a precedence. Now, in understanding that, let me show you something so beautiful. We're going to read Hebrews, the 10th chapter, from about the 38th verse. Now, let me notify you early that as I'm reading this portion of scripture, I am going to go beyond Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to go into Hebrews chapter 11, considering that the scriptures originally were not written in chapters and verses. Are you agreeable? Chapters and verses was an intelligent way of helping us find references, of helping us locate and define certain places within the text easily. For example, if you're teaching and you say open, look, a man knows where to open this chapter and this verse for referential purposes entirely. But originally, 
when these letters were being written by Paul, many of these, all the books written in scripture, originally they did not have chapters, neither did they have verses. Let us have that in mind. And I want you to follow very keenly because what I'm going to share is going to bless you. So I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 10, from the 38th verse, 39th verse, then going to Hebrews chapter 11, the first verse, and then we're going to continue from there. So imagine there were no chapters and verses. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, the Bible says, now the just shall live by faith. Are you following me? Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, the Bible says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verses 39 says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things things not seen, verses 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Beautiful portion of scripture. I'm going to show you something that's going to amaze you because when the Holy Spirit was speaking and I was reading this, I was so amazed at what he spoke. I never had any man speak it this way. Now, I want you to note this. This is how the Holy Spirit began. He told me, do you check the Greek word for verses 38 now? And then check the Greek word for verses 39, but. And then check the Greek word for Hebrews 11 verse 1 now and see. And when I check them, I realize that all of these three words, the now in verses 38, beginning verses 38, the but in verses 39, the now in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1, all of these words are the same word, one Greek word called day. And day means now. Day means also. Day means but. Day means moreover. But deeply, day also means on top of this. Now you follow, on top of this. Now again, there is a rule of interpretation that I also want us to note here. And one of those is the law of repetition. If you find a specific word repeated in almost every verse or in every chapter after, there is a communication there. So we see that the 38th verse of Hebrews chapter 10, where the word now is, which is translated the Greek day, verses 39, where the word but is, which is also translated as day, already there's a repetition. Hebrews 11 verses 1, where again the word now is, the translation again is day. We have the same word repeated three times in every portion of verse. That cannot be a coincidence. For any student of the word, they've already picked that there's something God is revealing. And remember, in all of these three verses that I'm reading, I want you to keep back the love precedence. Huh? because it's going to help us here in interpreting what God is really saying. Are you following me? Now, if I am to read this in the rendering, it should be read, because why am I emphasizing this? When you read the Greek translations, 
you realize that the word now, verses 38, but verses 39, now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it will tell you that it's not oftenly expressed in the English language. In other words, those words, those but, now, now, but, they were not really deeply considered by the English language. And because the English language does not deeply consider them, maybe, just maybe, you would believe with me that that's where the revelation is lost. Because why would they not oftenly consider what God has repeatedly spoken? Are you following what I'm saying? They should recognize it. They should respond to it. Because there's a reason why God is repeating that over and over again. So let us go back to understanding this. When you see that now, or and, or but, or moreover, or on top of this, it means it is separating two distinctive elements or ideas, one from another. If there's a third, that third is also separated from the three by distinction, by distinction, that one is above the other, okay? Let me read it the way it should sound. On top of this, the just shall live by faith. But if any man drop back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. On top of this, that means there is stuff or things that were spoken as Paul is reading earlier. So it would sound like on top of this, or moreover, what I've already said before, the just shall live by faith, but if any man shall drop back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. On top of that, or moreover, that which we just read in verses 38, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And on top of that, or over that which we have spoken in verses 39, on top of that, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report, who has understood it. This is what he is saying. That they just live by faith. But according to this, there is something above that takes precedence before you learn to live by faith. And that which comes before is learning not to draw back in perdition, not to give up in times of test and trial. When you constantly learn how not to give up in times of test and trials, when you refuse to draw back to the perdition, but keep on believing and believing and sticking on your faith to the saving of the soul, that is above, and that is that which now births walking and living by faith. When a man can do that, now we can agree that that man walks or lives by faith. But above that, moreover above that, it's expedient that a man firstly has the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen before you start fighting not to draw back and sticking on onto your faith and refusing to give in to the wiles or the deceptions of the enemy, refusing to draw back before we get to a place where you start fighting to refuse to draw back. At least firstly understand, it's important first to have that substance, to have the evidence of things not seen have the substance and evidence of things not seen. So if I should simply fight against Father, for some of you, he's saying that this is the order of faith. Firstly, have the substance 
of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you have gotten it to your spirit, now you refuse to draw back to perdition, but keep on fighting and believing to the saving of the soul. When you live that life constantly of exercising your spirit, people will observe you and realize you live by faith. You live by faith. Who has understood it? So which is the greatest? Which is the greatest of the three? Which of the truths is above the others? The greatest of the three, the truth above the others is understanding Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1. Now faith, or above all, or on top of all, or moreover, faith is the substance of things opt for, the evidence of things not seen. The man must have the substance. Let us have that conversation. Because we have people who know how to fight without substance. We have people who claim to believe without evidence. They confess without substance. They confess without evidence. They fight spiritual warfare without substance. They fight spiritual warfare without evidence. They act to be as them which are walking by faith. They do the actions of men which are walking by faith, but they carry no substance or evidence of the faith that they're walking after. And so, what is the consequence of that experience? Paul speaks of men which walk in feigned faith. The faith that deceives the self. That feigned faith can sit on a teacher. That feigned faith can function on an apostle. That feigned faith can function on a prophet. A prophet can be so sure that God has said that this country is going to beat this country in football. <laughs> and even tell you that's what God has said. He believes it. If you search him or her, they believe it. They believe it. They are confident. They are walking by faith. They are not drawing back to perdition. They are holding on and sticking on until the saving of the soul. But the faith that they have is of no substance or evidence. So when you say, I refuse to be sick, where is that coming from? Is it coming from your mind? Is it coming from a wonderful sermon that you heard? Oh, you know that you know that you know that you know that you don't fall sick. That's the difference. That's the difference. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So, I've always said this, that the easiest way to understand substance is to understand the literal word material because it's also translated as material. Faith is the material of things you hope for. That means when you say that I'm believing God for healing, you have the spiritual material for that healing. Not the charisma, but the charismatos. From white comes from the source. So that's what makes faith personal. The personalization of faith. 
Many believers, they know how to believe with the rest. They know how to scream with the rest. They know how to believe with the man of God. Now that you've come, I'm not dying. So if the man of God does not come, Jessica is dead. Not real name. Just emphasis. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you say that I believe, what does that mean? Do you have the material for your faith? Because it's that material that gives the vision, the evidence of things not seen. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's the material. Firstly, you need that material. Because when you have that material, see, you hear people say, this is the material world. What does it mean? This is the world where our physical eye can express the reality of interpretation. That's what we call material. So the human spirit as well has that experience before God where it can have the reality of interpretation. Things can become tangible in the spirit. But you see, it's hard for people to understand the tangibility of things in the spirit because they don't respect the order of God. The order of God is indispensable. You can't do without it. Look at Genesis when he was creating. He created first in Genesis chapter 1 and in chapter 2 he formed. See? In Genesis chapter 1, he created man in his own image and likeness. 1, 26, 27, created he, them, male and female. In Genesis 2, 7, he formed man out of the dust and breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul. So what has God done before he manifests? He creates. Before he forms, he creates. See, that's the order of God. You can't do it any other way. Respect that order. You cannot do without it. You cannot seek a manifestation of a thing that you cannot create in the spirit. You see? Yet, in the spirit realm, it might appear like it's not tangible or material because the spirit realm is not seen in the material world. But that doesn't mean that in the spirit realm there's no material. There is material in the spirit realm. So the Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Made, making. There is a making of the appearance of things. Ah, there is a making of the appearance of things. And that making is not made in the physical realm. That making is made in the spiritual realm where the material of those things are for us now to be able to manifest them in the physical. So if you don't understand how to communicate to the material in the spirit realm, your transactions are floated. You cannot manifest. So you live a life of a faith that actually does not show forth the fruit and result of that faith. You are believing. You're confessing. You're praying. You're doing everything that is in the book, but you have no results of it. You carry no material. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Now let me help you understand how materials are made. <laughs> how are materials made? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those are two statements separated by a comma. Those are two ideas within the same sentence separated by a comma. They are connected but there's a distinctive mark to each of them. 
faith cometh by hearing. Comma. He's telling you that if you don't know how to hear, you cannot have faith. Because it's the hearing of faith that creates the material. And now he's now in the next line, he's explaining to us how hearing comes. And he's saying, and hearing by the word of God. He did not say, so then faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Mark the words. Mark the words used there. He did not say, so then faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. No, he says, so then faith cometh by hearing, comma, and hearing by the word of God. He has defined two things. He has defined how faith comes and he has defined how hearing comes. So easy. So he says, if you want the material, this is how you must learn how to hear. So if you're not a hearing person, you cannot have faith. So I feel sorry for people who go to churches or ministries that don't teach. They're just waiting for the apostle to just speak a word. They're just waiting for the prophet to just speak a word. They're just waiting for the evangelist and pastor to just speak a word over their situation. You're coming out. In Jesus' name, go home. You're free. They have no material. There's no material. Because they don't sit down to hear the word. And so they depend on the faith of the prophet, the faith of the apostle, the faith of the pastor, the faith of the man of God. You see? So, I know a story of a lady who was coming from up country, many kilometers away with a very sick child. The child was, on, you know, almost to death. And so she goes looking for a certain man of God. And she goes with a sick child. She needs healing for her child desperately. She had to borrow money to get transport through a taxi, usual means, our usual matatu is in Uganda. And then she gets to the church of the man of God. And the receptionist kindly tells her, we are so sorry. We know that you've traveled many miles away, but the man of God has just left the country. He's gone to the U.S. to preach. That means, in simple terms, if you had come earlier with your child, your child would be healed. The fact that you have come late it implies that you'll bury your child. And she saw the life of her little child leave that body because the man of God had gone to America to preach. Is it his fault that he has gone to America to preach? No, it's not his fault. But it's a problem when a man or a minister of the gospel should build an atmosphere and an experience around him where without him, God cannot flow. Where without him, healing cannot flow. You know, we have now started to control people to a place where without us, they cannot be. That's a wrong thing. May God have mercy on us. We did not shed our blood for them. We did not die for their sins. Jesus did. We must decrease. And he must increase. So she lost her child. Why did she leave her child? She did not have the knowledge to pray. For her child. She was never equipped to pray for her child. That is why some of those people who go to churches where they don't really immerse them into teaching, when they get in times of trouble, it's amazing the things they can do to get to the man of God. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't get to the man of God, but what have you done before you got there? 
What have you learned before you got there? What do you have as a material to safeguard you the whole night until the time you meet the man of God? Because you could die at 3 a.m. Somebody say, God help us. So now let's go back. Faith cometh by hearing. And so it means if you don't know how to hear, you cannot have faith. Next definition, hearing by the word of God. Very beautiful. That means that when you are by the word, literally meaning, you will start to hear. When you sit by the word, you will start to hear. It's more than what the preacher is teaching. It's more than what you are reading. It is the voice of the Holy Spirit that comes to you when you are reading. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks behind the man of God teaching you. That is the material. Because it's one thing for you to teach, but they don't hear more than what you're teaching. It's one thing for them to read the word, but they don't hear more than they're reading. That man has no access to the material that we're talking about. Why do you think he sent the Holy Spirit? He said that I will send you the Holy Spirit to teach you all things and remind you that which you have forgotten. To remind you that which you have forgotten. He says, he shall show thee things to come. He will bring all things to remembrance to you. You see? So when I am teaching, I am hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Bible says, in your light we shall see light. What does that mean? It means that as I'm giving the light of the glorious gospel, as I'm teaching, huh, the fountain of life or light is giving you light within the light that I'm giving. That's how it works. He says, for with thee is the fountain of life, and in thy light shall we see light. In the revelation that you give us, we shall see the light. We shall receive the rema. That is why I'm, I could speak a million words in a service. But probably your word, your real word is coming probably in the next 10 seconds, the next 20 minutes, in the next five minutes. And somebody received theirs in the middle. Somebody received theirs at the beginning. And now they're chewing on what the Holy Spirit is expounding. Some have already understood this message. Some are in the process of understanding it. Some have not even yet understood it. But somehow, by the beauty of the person of the Holy Spirit, he will bring that understanding to them. Now they are hearing by the word. If you don't have that access, revelation can never be with you. The spirit of revelation is the spirit that speaks behind every voice. Remember when God is speaking about the seven judges, Sardis, Theatira, Pagamos, and the rest. He says, he that heareth, he keeps emphasizing, he that heareth, let him hear what the spirit says to the judges. Let him that has an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the seven judges. Now wait. He has already spoken what is going to befall the churches, hasn't he? He has told us everything that is going to befall every church. He has spoken every way that he should in the simplest language for all of these churches. We know the messages to the churches according to what is written. But he's saying that beyond what is written, there is a voice that is speaking. Behind whatever is being spoken of these churches, there is another voice that is speaking. And he's saying, let him that hath an ear 
Share what the Spirit says to the churches. So if you're reading it, God is saying you need an ear for what you're reading. If you're hearing a man read it or you're hearing a man, you know, recite it, he's saying you need an ear for whatever is being read by that man. If you don't have that ear, you cannot build material. And if you cannot build material, you carry no substance of your hope. And if you carry no substance of your hope, where is the evidence of what you don't see? There's no evidence where there's no substance. There has to be a material. There has to be an existence of a thing. There has to be an affirmation of a certain reality that you hold on as that substance for you to have the evidence of things not seen in the physical realm. Somebody shout hallelujah. But how many people hear this voice? How many people understand this voice? How many people relate to this voice? How many people hear the Spirit speaking? How many people read the Bible like they're going to be taught by the person of the Holy Spirit? When you understand this, it will change the way you see life. It will change the way you see life. You will go and read a story on Jesus Christ healing blind Bartimaeus. And as you are reading it, in there, the Spirit will start speaking. And he will show you things that are hidden from the normal eye. And as you're reading and he's explaining these things, a certain substance will come in your spirit. And with that substance, one day you will walk before a blind man and you'll find yourself, I'm not saying you will stretch, you will find yourself stretching your hand on them. Why? Because the work of that material is built in you enough to take action. And you will lay your hand on a blind man and you'll take them off that man and that man will tell you, I see. That means you have given them something. You have extended the material of your personal experience with God. When Peter finds a man at the temple called beautiful, what are the words spoken? Look on us. He wants to translate a certain material into the man's eyes because the eyes are the light of the body. And eventually the man stands up and is healed. You read scriptures like silver and gold have I not, but that which I have, what is that which he has? He has the material. He has the substance. He says, I give to you. It's a transfer of power. Get up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. And the man gets up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walks. That is the material. If you don't have that material, you can speak all you want. You can confess all you want. Why? Because you read that Jesus says go. And then you also say go because Jesus said go. That's a wrong teaching. We don't say rebuke because Jesus rebuked it. No. We get the material that he used to rebuke. We build it in the spirit of that man that regardless of how that man executes the task, again, wisdom, sunesis, phronesis, sunesis, the critical faculty that gives you understanding of what must be done. Phronesis, the wisdom of God that allows you to determine the mode of action because you see the end in sight and every believer needs to function in those two wisdoms because those 
are the very wisdoms from the womb, Sophia, the wisdom of God. When you carry the material, phronesis becomes beautiful. Because if Jesus spits on the ground and then makes you know, something and puts it on a man's eye and heals, you can determine that you are going to touch this hunky and put it on a blind man and he will see. The end in sight is evident. You won't need to use spittle to heal a man's eye. Although you can still use the spittle to heal the man's eye, but you can do more. It's that liberty that Peter finds that he knows that if he can translate that power, if he can transfer that power to his shadow, and he walks and the sick are laid on the streets, they shall be healed. It's that reality that Paul has, that if you carry that material, the Bible says special miracles were wrought by Paul, that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him put on the sick and them which were possessed, they were both healed of the diseases and the evil spirits departed out of them. Why? Because when they are creating that place of power to heal, they are doing it by the evidence of things not seen by that material that I'm giving you tonight. So how much material do you have before you sew your clothes? How much material do you have before you build your house? Somebody shout hallelujah. How much material do you have before you write your book? It's just a way of life. It's a principle. Now he tells you that if you can build this material, hearing by the word, if you can sit by the word and hear the Holy Spirit speaking, oh, if as I'm speaking right now, certain things are ticking in your heart. I'm talking about that kind of Christian that as they're speaking, have you noticed that some people know how to digest, they know how to process. Have you ever been in a place where a man of God starts preaching and you find yourself saying, Rabba, Tulaba, speaking in tongues. Nobody told you to pray. Nobody told you to pray. No, but something in your spirit is telling you this is material. You're grinding. Or as they're speaking, you say, I receive it. That's mine. Or they give you a very powerful revelation and you're like, wow, a bulb goes on. They're like, oh, I see. That's material. That right there is material. And there's a person who says, uh, I don't understand him. He preaches, but I don't understand him. I don't understand your pastor. I don't know why I don't understand your pastor. But for you, you understand everything. See, that's a man whose spiritual belly is not matured enough to digest. They have no power to germinate. They have no power to interpret or translate. And if you cannot interpret or translate, you cannot manifest. You can't. It's not possible. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not possible. So now, follow me. Now, the man gets into the substance of things hoped for. That's that which above all. In fact, if I can even take you deeper, for those of you who enjoy the word, allow me to take you deeper. The next verse, therefore, by it, the elders obtained a good report, verses 2. The word they're used as by is the Greek word called an. And an means a primary preposition denoting a fixed position in a place and time or state. Let me explain this. For by it, the word by there means that they got to a point where because of faith, they were fixed 
in their spirits concerning anything that they believe God for. In one place, in any place, at any time, they maintain one position of truth. Let me explain what that means. Stage one cancer. The doctor has said you have stage one. You keep your position that by his stripes, I was healed. Then you worsen and go to stage two. You go to the doctor and you're still fixed in the same place. I said by his stripes, I was healed. Then you go stage three and then you say by his stripes, I was healed. And then they say you're stage four, you say by his stripes, I was healed. You're fixed in one position of opinion. And you are only appealing to the word of God. Somebody said hallelujah. In fact, the literal word there also in means to rest. You are rested assured in one position of opinion. And that is truth. So you get to stage four and the doctors tell you, you have two days to die. And you're still rested. That means you're not anxious. You're at peace. You are settled. You are not shaken. One bit, unwavering, one bit. But I've told you, you have two days. And you still maintain your rest and position. I was healed. By that action, the elders, they're not talking about those who are mature. No, they're talking about people who have matured in the spirit. The elders obtained a good report. That means it can't fail you. Even if they tell you, you are two days to go it will still reverse back. But can you fight? Can you fight? Or rather, do you have the material to fight? Are you equipped enough to fight? Can you fight it out? Some people, stage one, I'm healed. Stage two, I'm healed. Stage three, I'm healed. Fourth stage, they start writing their will. You never know. See? See? They've drawn back to perdition. That means they're not living by faith. They're living by sight. You see how it comes? It shows how they live because of how they oscillate between opinions. And how they oscillate between opinions defines which material they are using. And which material they're using defines on where they are fixed or positioned in any place or time. Very powerful. Very powerful. Somebody shout hallelujah. So God is saying this. That when you allow the word, that's why I tell people, read the word every day or listen to the word every day. Like you can eat food every day and you cannot live without food. You cannot or you should not live without the word. That is why I have a problem with pastors. And allow me to say this. I've heard men of God, a person builds an application, puts all the words of life and truth on that application and says to access it, you have to pay these many dollars. That means you would rather that woman dies or that man dies without accessing this truth than accessing it for free. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Because that's where your treasure is. What do you want? That men be saved and that they might come to the knowledge of the truth? 
or you want money at any cost. So you are using your gift and grace as a bait to transact because they have no choice. They will pay for it. And they do pay for it. And they can pay for it and heal. But you have a case to answer with the God who gave you freely. Because he loved man so much that you did not pay money for it. That's how much he loved you and every man you should receive from you. Why should you sell the message? It was freely given to you. Lord told me something so dangerous, and I'm going to say it. In a few years, very few coming years, every man that is selling the message is going to be put in a certain place. Watch. They're not going to be able to speak. Not at least to certain people anymore. And it's going to come tumbling down over the years that you're going to look at some of the deepest men and they will not be able to preach. Or some. Because are you saying that you should die so your material should be free? Is that what you're saying? Do you want to just die so your material should be free? Because when you die, you know, and there's nothing left of you, people will start giving them out anyway. Who needs them? You see? Then people will start needing them at your death. So some people will minister more at their death than they were when they are alive. Is that what you're waiting for? No, refuse that. That's why YouTube, I put every sermon there. It didn't mean that we're cheap. It only means that we are saying that the gospel has no price. That's what we're saying. So expensive that it has no price. That is why in the mobile application, it is free. If you come to the offices with a hard disk, I'll give you every sermon I've preached. It should be that way. If you're writing a book, write it. If the expenses are given and the expenses of that book are received, move on. God will look after you. You don't need to sell a CD for God to feed your home unless you don't know God. Somebody shout hallelujah. The world needs the word more than ever before. They need the word more than ever before. And we must be available to preach and give men the material to live. There's a man who died of COVID, a woman who died of COVID a few days ago, a few months ago. We've lost our family members because they did not have that substance enough. You see, there's a man right now listening to me that what they've received is going to preserve them. You see, the only challenge with our people is they count how many have been lost. They don't count how many have been redeemed. Do you know how many people have been redeemed by this message? Do you know how many millions and hundreds and thousands of people that are healed by this word every day? We never count that. We count only those that are dead. No, let's start celebrating those that are still alive. There are people who are listening to me. You are just alive because of this word. You are alive. You know it. You are alive because you landed on a certain portion of scripture a couple of years ago. Your marriage is saved only because you had a certain sermon. Your business was restored only because you had a certain someone. Your ministry standing now. It should be dead and buried, but it is standing right now because at one point, somebody gave you material. So here is the order. The material comes. That is the substance of what you hope for and the evidence of what you do not see is built in your spirit. You carry the vision of what other men can't see, but for you in the spirit realm, it's a reality. When you can build that substance with that, when attacks come, any attacks come, 
you will realize that you cannot be among them that draw back. So it will be truly said of you that you are not among them which draw back to perdition. But you start finding yourself among them which believe to the saving of the soul. You are on one fixed position of opinion. Only the word and only the word of God speaks concerning my life and no other testimony or evidence. You're fixed. You are rested in the truth and reality of what God has said. In any place and time, your confession does not change. Your thought life cannot change. And so you find that you hold on and believe to the saving of the soul. And when that happens the first time, the second time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, you can ably start to sing that Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved you all and all. That's over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. You will trust him more because the more you see is the more you believe and the more you believe is the more you see the manifestations. And then you will have a list of things God has delivered you from. You will look back in your life and count every victory that has come your way and say surely, no matter what lies ahead of me, I know how to believe. I know how to stand. I have the substance. I have the material of it. And when that can be concealed, and affirmed in your spirit. Now, you are one walking and living by faith and not by sight. But just shall live by faith. If you have understood that order, you have understood faith. Come on, let's worship him. How I proved you were and all Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him more let's sing that verse that says I'm so glad I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know, know that thou art with me, will be with me too. Pray over your life, over your body, 
over your mind, over your finances, over your family, over your ministry, that the Word of God gives you enough material and that from today, you are changed and transformed in how you're going to look and relate with the Word of God. I decree that you're going to live a life of victory upon victory, triumph upon triumph, deliverance upon deliverance. And you will sing with all the saints that indeed it's so good to trust God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.